Welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. I'm Kyle Gilmore. I got Bill Montoya here with me as always. Um, yep, we have a yep. lot to lot to discuss. Mostly, well, I would say most of it is rooted around the 53-man roster cut today um, at 4 p.m. or later if you're uh, the Raiders for Bill. <laughs> Takes a bit for it to come out official. But um, before we start diving into some of the going-ons, um, I just wanted to announce that we are having our first official Square State Sandlot Fantasy League. Um, we've just filled up today. I'm uh, pretty excited about kicking that off. That's going to be something we're going to do yearly. Um, and I have a little bit of a surprise for those playing. Uh, Bill knows about it, but we'll 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 announce that when it when I can actually show it on camera. But I was I was going to um, say, are you going to show it? But no, okay. It's, it's not here yet. Um, and I, I mean, I could share screen, but I'll just wait till I have it in hand. But Beautiful. Uh, the draft will be on uh, September 5th and Bill and I will be having a live um, a feed of the draft, I guess. And that'll be at 3 p.m. So yeah, anybody well, listening in, check us out. Share my screen so you guys can see the draft picks as they happen. Um, see if anything surprising happens. But I did want to mention... You got a few new pieces behind you, so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'm slowly getting everything up. I'm still slowly not. <laughs> <laughs> There's. It's a horrible hobby to get into. That's all I'm It is. Say. No, I, I have the stuff, and I, I bought the shelves already and everything, but my wife and I are talking about getting a uh, like a weight or a squat rack and everything. And so oh. that may go in my office or it may go in the garage. So until we've decided where that's going, I'm not, no, I'm not hanging. That's a big anything. part of it. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, like you said, 3 PM, we'll, we'll have a live event, probably go live a couple minutes before. So you can see, yeah. you know, who gets picked first and all that. Um, anyone that wants to jump in, we'll, we'll throw up the link. So might have quite a few people on. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but yeah, we'll have that live event, uh, and then coming up soon-ish, we, we'll also have our predictions for the season coming out. Um, yeah, it's just NFL starts to eat up Exciting all, all, time the, of year. all the show. Yep. But and you know, I think it's one of those happy happy times of the year where you got baseball going, you got basketball is going to be starting up soon, you got college hockey football in, you got or in October, hockey, yeah, NFL. And it's the best time you know, of year. Summer's still trying to hold on. Those days are a little warm still, but at night, it's starting to get a little bit cooler. So it's definitely starting yes, to be football time. So uh, with with that Speaking being said, football. Yeah, we've got some <laughs> little depressing news to talk about. Our Wyoming Cowboys. I am sporting a hat, although after that performance, I don't know if I should be. <laughs> what did you think about the game? Um unfortunately i don't know why i got so frustrated with it it's exactly what we've talked about in the off season um you'd think i would be more prepared for it uh i mean with that being said we're, we're playing illinois who is a better team we know that going in um but i think what made it hard for me to watch is they are the dna of that team is almost exactly what we attempt to do and to see them do it efficiently while we you know, or floundering, uh, was a little frustrating. Um, the ground and pound pound approach. I'm not, I am not anti ground and pound. I think if it, if you do it well, it works. The problem is, is we have no control at the line of scrimmage 
Um, that Illinois offensive line and defensive line, just they controlled it all day long. Um, yep. And on, honestly, out of outside of Titus, Titus Swin, there was not that much to be excited about on the offensive side. No. Um, I mean, we've coined the phrase the, the bowl offense, and that's what they did. I mean, it seemed like it seemed like he got really scared to call passes after the first quarter. I mean, at, at the beginning, and to be fair, they weren't having success success in the passing game. But, I mean, it seemed like after a couple incompletions, he, he really went away from, from throwing the ball, except on after, you know, first and second down. If the run didn't work, well, then we're in a throwing situation where we have to. And Peasley, yeah. I mean – there's no way around it. He did not look good at all. I think he was around 20% completion, um, 30 yards total in the he, passing. He never game. looked comfortable the entire no. game. And that's and yes, that's he had pressure, but kind of to my point, he never looked comfy. If if you're if you're only giving him passes in throwing situations and and that's it, I mean the the defense knows what you're trying to do, and it's tough to complete and passes. You have no rhythm. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. Terrible. I mean, there in honestly, there was plenty of throws where he was completely behind, threw it way too late, where the only person in position to make the play was the defense. So he he's got some things to clean up for sure. But you you have to allow a kid to get into rhythm before you can give a, a true analysis of what's going on in the, in their passing game. And I mean, he was two for ten at halftime with I think. 18 yards and an interception, something like that. So it wasn't pretty. It was brutal. Only, and Titus, like you said, played very well. Uh, offensive line looked decent um, until they got into those predictable situations where they could pin their ears back. So uh, all in all, <laughs> offense looked bad. Defense was not tackling anyone. So even no. when they were in position, I mean, it seemed like, they were just running straight through their tackles. I don't think Illinois is that much better of a team than, than Wyoming is. I just think they're just more efficient. Well, more efficient, but I also think that Wyoming kind of got surprised and and never really recovered. And like I said, when you go into hiding with the, the passing game and all they have to do is stack the box, I mean, you're not going to get past when you're so behind. Hard. If you're not yep. willing to pass, it's hard to come back. Yep. The, the only silver lining for me is that I hope it becomes clearer and clearer that either Bull needs to adjust his game plan or he needs to be shown the door. Yep. Um, I think this season is going to be pretty rough on everybody, the for team, sure. the fans. It's I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> well, we were very much looking forward to it until this showing. And that's, I mean, it's yeah. one game you hate to overreact, especially when it's the first game of the season. Sure. So I, I don't want to write them off just yet. But, yeah, I mean, if if they cannot play better against even competition, which, like I said, I still don't think Illinois is a great team. Um, they're definitely towards the bottom of their conference. But yeah. if, if we want to play against the San Diego States, the Boise States, Boise, not a state. Got to play better than that. Got to play better than that. <laughs> Boise, so. not a state. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was frustrating, and, and I don't think there's any way around it. But I still think there is room for improvement. And the only bad thing is I think I think what's most likely to happen because 
Bowles under contract for I think three more right. seasons after this one, maybe two. I, I can't remember exactly. I think it's through 2024. I think the more likely thing would happen is he and the university work on some kind of deal where he steps down and then his son maybe gets the reins, which his son was featured on uh, ESPN as top 30 under 30. So maybe getting some youth in there and seeing, you know, running a 1960 style offense isn't the answer in, in 2022. Uh, But I don't know. I think that's the only way that he'll be fired or let go after the season is if, if he voluntarily steps down and maybe they work out. I agree with you there. I think the contract is going to make it obviously harder to separate ties, but yeah, I don't know. Three more seasons of that just sounds not ideal. Yeah. I mean, we're (laughs) what nine seasons into his rebuild of the program. And I mean, even, even having the runner up, NFL MVP on his on his offense, he still made yeah. look pedestrian. So, ah, it's frustrating. Hold on, Pokes fans. <laughs> I I think brighter days are are to come. Like I said, it's one game. Don't throw away the whole season. Still show up, oh. support the boys, and and hopefully we have a, a turnaround. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about with Wyoming before we move on? Um, not with Wyoming college football. Um, it's yeah. a game I'm really excited to watch. Uh, Pitt's playing West Virginia for their the the yearly backyard brawl. Um, that's going to be Thursday night. Pitt's ent- entering the season ranked 17th. We'll see. I think preseason rankings are a waste of time, anyways. But um, I'm just really curious to see how they do. Uh, Slovis at quarterback because obviously Kenny Pickett went to the NFL and then Jordan Addison hit the transfer portal to USC, which is basically the two top offensive weapons for that, that Pitt Panthers team. So I'm interested to see um, what kind of a team they put on the field. So fun little game Thursday night. Yeah. No, I love seeing, especially the week one matchups because they're so unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to oh, see yeah. from either team. So that's, that's exciting. I guess I should have mentioned that, Wyoming went from one and a half point dogs to six and a half point dogs in the Tulsa game at home after, after week one. So, uh, interested to see how they do in that game. That game's coming up Saturday. So hopefully a better showing, like you said, Pittsburgh, we'll see what they have after losing their, their top two offensive weapons. Um, anything. Oh, I, I did want to mention also that, uh, we have the, uh, Utah and Florida game. Utah's trying; they're ranked number seven in in preseason rankings, uh, highest ranking ever for them in the Pac-12. Uh, interested to see how they do this season. I mean, I'm not a huge Utes fan or anything, but if I had to pick a Utah team, that would be my team to to oh, root for. So, we'll we'll see how they do. A lot of exciting matchups this upcoming weekend. So. Uh... The one thing I, I do want to say, because I know, I mean, you do pay attention to Utah a little bit. Some of it's proximity, some of it's, you know, why not? But it's fun watching Utah because especially especially on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of players that end up in the NFL. So if you're paying attention to Utah games, um, I mean, it's fun seeing a player coming into the NFL or say they're five seasons into their career, but you've watched them for, you know, seven, eight, nine years. There's been some really good talent to come out of Utah. So, um, oh, for sure. I mean, if you just enjoy watching sports just because you're a UW fan, 
doesn't mean you can't check out some Utes games. Yeah, no, they're they're fun to watch, and obviously they they used to match up quite a bit with Wyoming when they're back right, in the right. West Conference. So a little bit of a rivalry there, but yeah, the they have a quarterback Cam Rising that ended up taking over that job after I think it was week two last year, and and he got them in contention, took them to the Rose Bowl, played some really tough competition. So they're an exciting team, and you know it's it's one of those hopeful things where you're looking at a possible team to go up against the Alabamas and, and the SEC that seems to have a strength. And that's it for me, man. Playoff, so. Anybody who will bump the, the regular four, yep. um, I'm all for. I'm all for. Well, hopefully they have a great a season and they can they can cause some disruption in that Power 5 stranglehold the SEC has on, on the playoffs there. But yep. moving on from that, just got a couple notes in the Major League Baseball uh, realm. And that is Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, has said after his 20 years of owning the team, he's he's exploring a sell. Uh, he bought the team for originally like 110 million, and now it's worth over two. So, pretty good return on investment there. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting for me, especially the timing. It seems like Artie has always done things half where. If he's investing in the roster, then he's pulling back on the the team employees and things like that. He's never had a great scouting department, um, and it seems like they always throw money at free agent offensive weapons when they always need pitching. So need pitchers, uh, his his ownership has been. I'm sure Angels fans. I mean, they got the 2006 championship. Uh, so they're probably thankful for that. But outside of that, it's been just a, a lot of mediocrity. So throwing that much money into a roster and not having success, that at least it, he's willing to put the money out there. But it, like I said, it seems like he's always halfway in. So I think well, the that's frustrating good. thing. I, I was just going to say the frustrating thing is the talent that they have on the other side. Yep. To I mean, how do you resist the temptation to bring in pitchers? Yep. And I don't know. It's just crazy. I guess dollars mean more a lot of the times, but. Well, and it's crazy it's how crazy. many of those big contracts he's given out that have come back and bit them. Like the Pujols contract, better yeah. or worse, Pujols did not play well in, in Anaheim. A lot of it was injuries, but I mean, they paid him the world. They gave Josh Hamilton a lot of money, but then kind of just when, when he was on Texas, he had a guy that was there with him to make sure he was making the right decisions and everything. When he went to Anaheim, they essentially gave him all that money and just said, yeah, like we just want you to play baseball. Didn't give him any, any assistance or anything like that. The Anthony Rendon contract just from this last or two off seasons ago, that's looking like another one of those absolutely terrible contracts. Rendon's a great player, don't get me wrong, but yeah. the contract they gave him, and then he's only played like 60 games total in two seasons. So it's uh, it's looking real bad. No one's going to be willing to pick that up. So, um, yeah, I, I think his ownership will always be known for having two generational talents and not being able to win, and that is Mike Trout and now Shohei Otani, which I think is very likely to leave by the time this sale is is done and everything. So. Uh, yeah, that's going to affect the sales price. I think is is the unknown commodity of of Shohei, just because 
he's free to leave after next season. So interesting yeah. to see what happens with that. And I mean, Angel struggling is always a good thing for my A's. So if they get a new owner like a Steve <laughs> Cohen, I'm not looking forward to that. That's, you know, willing to put the yeah. staff and everything in place to, to have a winning organization. So, but you have some notes on your, your pirates. What's going on with them? Uh, yesterday we're middle of the series. We're actually playing right now. Um, series against the Brewers. Oh man, this team can frustrate you. Uh, we were down three zero, um, came roaring back, went up five zero after, uh, uh, O'Neill Cruz three hit or three run Homer. And then Ronaldo, uh, Rodolfo Castro hit a Homer as well. Um, it, it looked like we were going to finish that game. And then, uh, we brought in Will Crow to close out the game and he, he gave up too late, went to the 10th inning and lost seven to five. Um, so it's frustrating when you, when your team rallies back our pitching to start the game, Ronzi Contreras is amazing. Um, he's, he's playing really well. He's, he's starting to show a lot more stuff, um, longer innings, less, you know, less balls, less walks. So he's, he's coming along. I think he is probably going to be the foundation of our pitching staff in the future. Um, but with that being said, Mitch Keller, he started the game pretty good today. Um, last time I checked, we were down 2-1, but um, he's he's playing pretty well. Um, and then the last little tidbit for him, um, Jack Swinski, uh, anybody who's listened, um, you know, I'm a big fanboy, but he got sent back down to the minors, um, went on a 0-29 run before he went down. So I definitely... Definitely agree with them sending him down. I wish they would have brought him back up a little sooner, but um, he got a hit in last night's game, and he's playing outfield pretty well. So it's good to see him back up. Obviously, the remainder of our season is, you know, it's not about the win column. We're obviously not going to the playoffs. Um, so it, it's good to see these guys up here. I'm, I'm, I'm about overseeing these veterans play, um, the ones that we know won't be with us next year. So, yeah, that's where we're at, just watching the young guys play. Yeah, and that's kind of – I've seen a lot of articles the last couple of days, especially one from John Heyman about my, my Oakland A's, and he basically yeah. said that they are the worst franchise in all of baseball because they – after the trade deadlines and cutting all their players and everything, their their total salary right now is $25 million on the active roster. Yeah. So lowest in the majors – uh, Coliseum is by all means basically a, a stadium on its way out essentially they're not making major yeah. repairs or anything like that they're not throwing any money in it so he's saying you know the owner's a joke the stadium's a joke and the team they're putting out there is a joke um, so pretty brutal words but tough to dispute the on-field stuff um, obviously it hasn't been a good has not been a good season this year. Um, lately, we've seen some sparks from some of our younger players that we've expected to see something from. Um, Sean Murphy has been an all-star the, the second Absolutely. half of the season for sure. He's crushing the ball. He actually just did a grand slam a couple innings ago in this this game against the Washington Nationals. So uh, I, I think there's plenty to look forward to, but at the end of the day, the, the main thing that matters is figuring out that stadium because – at that point, once we have the new stadium, if the owners still won't put money in the roster, I mean, 
I think that's the end of our franchise until someone sells it because if he's still not willing to invest in the roster after putting, you know, a billion dollars into a stadium, he's never going to spend money. So I think his, his end game is going to be build that stadium and then sell the team for, for the maximum value he can see. So, uh, well, for your guys' sake, um, I mean, you hate to see him make so much money off of it, but for the sake of the fans and obviously the product on the field, I hope that's what happens. For um, sure. Everyone could use a fresh start, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've talked about this. I don't want to put money into going and seeing games in Oakland right now because that directly benefits the owner. Um, yeah. So we've talked about going to, you know, Pittsburgh next season or earlier this season, I was talking about going to Seattle. That trip kind of fell apart just because of things going on. But um, obviously, owners get some of the money from road games as well, but not as much as they would from the home game. So it's, yeah, frustrating for me, frustrating for all the A's fans seeing all these moves. But a um, couple things I wanted to mention, I can't find the guy's name right now because this news was announced two days ago, but uh, they're calling up one of the two pitching prospects, one of the starters they got from the Yankees. Sears has already been up and pitching, uh, the other one, like I said, his name's slipping me right now, but they're calling him up uh, on Thursday when the rosters expand to 28. Right. Uh, Adrian Martinez is going to go down to the bullpen, and, and this guy will get some runs through the rotation, probably three or four Good. turns. So excited to see that. I'm sure you guys will have a couple guys coming up when rosters expand That's as well. Way. So something to look forward to, I guess. And then... You had a couple notes in here about... Uh, yeah, it's just a few. Um, I mean, I guess technically some of it's history, some of it's potential history, whatever. But um, just Aaron Judge just hit his 50th homer. Um, he's on pace to actually beat Maris, so we'll see where that lines up. Um I don't know. A lot can happen between now and the end of the season, but still impressive with how many dingers he's hitting. Um, and for all appearances, he seems like a pretty classy fella. So good for him. Um, Albert Pujols hit his or hit a homer off his 450th pitcher, which uh, beat the record by Barry Bonds, who was was 449, which. That's wild, man. Um, yeah. To even uh, that's just crazy. It's such a a wild number for me to even process. But um, I mean, good for him. This is this is his swan song um, by all indications. So um, for I him, think to he's going to play put one up more. something. You think so? I what really if what do. if he hits? What if he gets those homers? So yeah, he's going for seven hundred. He's at six ninety four right thing. now. But he's yeah. also really close to the RBI record, and I think that's oh, what he's really about going that. for. So I okay, think he might put another season on. I think he might go one, maybe even two, depending on how well he finishes out this season. And I mean, he's been on a tear lately. Uh, it didn't that's... look like 700 was going to be within reach this season, but no. the tear that he's been on lately, he's like you said, I think he's at 694, so he's six away from from hitting that 700 number. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to imagine him. two years from now him 
like and i don't mean this as an insult only only you know comical but like literally just a, a walker out to home plate like that boy has played a long time he has but um, I'm, i think with the load management he's had over the last oh, two yeah, seasons absolutely. i think i think he can do it especially with the the designated hitter now in the national league oh, yeah. i think seattle or seattle st louis i think they'll bring him back as long as he wants to be um and he's I think he's yeah, the he third can. most effective hitter against lefties right now in all of the majors. So he can still do it, especially in those pinch hits opportunities or if they're going up against the lefty that day. I mean, you could slot him in there. Him in for so sure. He can't run. He can't play defense anymore, but no. don't need to do that if you can mash. And that's it. I mean, and, and I guess just props to Aaron Judge and him uh, both hitting – Pretty special marks. Um, yep. I mean, even even if Judge doesn't obviously match or beat the beat Maris's spot or mark, but it's still an impressive season. Fifty homers is nothing yep. to, you know, it it's it's pretty impressive. And yeah, the Yankees kind of came down to down to earth a little bit. Um, they were on a hell of a run, which I mean, I liked seeing that slow down a little bit, but. Yeah. Um, well, my ace took he hasn't. split the series, four game series with him over the last weekend. Uh, let me ask you a question. What's more likely in your eyes? Judge hitting 12 more, which would put him at 62, which is one above Maris. And, and that would be Yankees and American League record all time. Right. Um, or who holds hitting six more? Understanding that Judge is an everyday player, where Pujols is, you know, designated hitter slash pinch hitter. So Judge should have. I want to say, I want to say, Aaron Judge getting twelve should not be out of the question. Um, I think it's totally doable. But because I said that, and it's a crazy league, and four hundred and fiftieth pitcher is not a number I can comprehend. It'll probably be Pujols. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm <laughs> thinking too. I mean. We've seen Judge hit home runs yeah. in in quantities not seen before. So if he gets on a on tear, I think it's pretty likely that he would get yeah. it. But six is a lot more doable than twelve, especially when you have a whole month left in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope I hope he gets it. He's one of those players that I mean is universally respected. Did played the game right. Obviously sure. his his angel years could have gone better, but. Love the guy. Hope, <laughs> hope he gets it. So, um, yeah. moving on to NFL now. I think so. Um, big news coming out of San Francisco. Um, I actually think it's very big news. Yes, we're technically talking about a backup quarterback, but um, Jimmy G restructured to stay with the Niners. Um, I think it was the number that's sticking in my mind. I think is six point five mil. I that could be wrong. Guaranteed money. Yeah, and then um, it could go up to ten, I think, based on right with incentives. But uh, I think this, I think that's big for him and the Niners. Obviously, having that insurance policy uh, behind Trey Lance is big. But I'm excited for Jimmy G because we were kind of unsure what was going to happen to him this year. Because I think we were all working under the assumption, okay, they've moved on, he's going to get released. Um, all I'm saying is, if you're Jimmy G. You know, you've restructured, say Trey Lance struggles and you come in and you're successful, which that's all you've ever actually been when you're healthy is successful with this franchise. 
Um, if you don't want to stay in San Francisco, he could come into some big money somewhere else. So um, I think it's a win-win for everybody. He's obviously an amazing backup. He could start. So anytime your backup could be a starter, that's a plus. Um, but like I said, if Trey Lance isn't up to snuff, I mean, you throw Jimmy G in and you guys make another playoff run, he's either they're going to have to make some decisions there or he's going to have somebody else chomping at the bit to get him. Do you think a much this, easier contract to deal with? Do you think this helps Trey Lance or hurts him in, in his development? Because of the kind of person and player that Jimmy G is, I think it helps him. Um, from all indications, you've heard it nonstop over the last couple of years, how great of a teammate he is, um, how quiet Jimmy G is. He's, he's never going to ruffle feathers. I mean, he's been working out by himself this whole time. Yep. There's so many players in the league that give, put them in this situation. I'm talking like a Kyler Murray or somebody. That little temper tantrum would be off the charts. Um, Jimmy G's the kind of guy, he's going to show up and he's going to help Trey Lance. He's going to want Trey Lance to do well. Um, so I don't think it's like a knock on his confidence. They've already come out and said a long time ago, Trey Lance is our guy this year. I think he has that, you know, the confidence of the team. Um but having somebody like him behind behind him where he can lean on him a little bit, I think is going to be pretty big. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, Jimmy G's not going to be afraid to step in if, you know, he's not carrying the torch, so to speak. So all in and all, that, I think it's a good thing for both sides. That would be my only concern with this extension or not extension rework contract is now he's essentially on the, on the slate for the whole season, unless they find a, you know, a trade partner throughout the season. Um, I think this was kind of them playing chicken with Seattle. I, I really think Seattle was interested in bringing in Jimmy G, but obviously inside the division, they didn't want that to happen. So I think this was San Francisco saying, Hey, like we want to keep you around, but we can't pay you 30 million, which is what he was due. If he got cut, sure. He could control where he went and Seattle would probably call him, but at the same time, he probably wasn't going to get whatever they gave him in this reworked contract uh, after everyone else has already filled their yep. their quarterback position. So I think it works best for, and it's for a both. Familiar offense. Yep. Yeah. So the only thing, like I said, the only thing that would concern me is if if Trey Lance, you know, throws an interception and now he's you know looking behind his back yeah. trying to see if, if his coach is going to pull him and and put in Jimmy. So. I guess I think I think the only thing that makes that not the case is because it's Jimmy G and everything you hear about him. Um, well, and it's all you've ever heard about him. I think he'll be there in his corner. And I, I think he will, too. But that that's not going to reassure uh, Trey Lance, you know, if he's not playing well, they won't make that move. I mean, yeah, only he can keep that from being a, a, an issue with him, I guess. So that's fair. That's and then what else you got NFL-wise before we get to our teams? Uh, Washington Commanders, uh, their rookie running back, Brian Robinson, um, over this past week was carjacked and shot, which was absolutely terrible. Um, thankfully, he's stable, and um, like Coach Rivera went and seen him, which is great. They've actually kept him on the initial 53-man roster, um, and according to the coach, there's a possibility he'll still play this season. Um, it's just a very sad, sad situation. 
Um, you know, rookie player coming in, playing out their dream and some random act of violence and he, he ends up getting shot in a carjacking. Yeah. Um, it's pretty sad stuff. Um, I wish him a quick recovery and hopefully, I mean, he gets to continue his dream this season and get back on the field, but, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. And it sounded like he's doing as, as good as possible, um, for yeah. that, that situation. So glad for that. And seems like the commanders are doing the right thing by keeping him on that initial roster. And then now they could probably move him to the, the pup list or whatever. So he still has insurance and all that. So he can recover from this and not worry about getting that paycheck. Um, and like you said, hopefully he makes his return before the end of the season and can contribute and live out with that dream. So hopeful, hopeful for that. You, you would hate to see his entire rookie, rookie season lost due to something out of his control, but yeah, it's horrible. Just hoping for that speedy recovery for him. So, and then you got your uh, Steelers. What, anything yeah, I surprising? Think I think we're down to our teams. Um, honestly, no, I don't think anything was really, really out of the ordinary. Um, we are holding on to all three quarterbacks right now. Um, and I get it. I, I don't think it's a bad situation because of he knows the offense, Mason Rudolph. He knows the offense. Um, he's not that crazy of a contract. They are fielding, or I should say, they are receiving calls on him. Um, word on the street is that the Steelers are wanting a fourth-round grade or better for him uh, because they're completely content keeping him on as an insurance policy in case one of the two um, – you know, guys fighting for the top spot get injured. So we do have the three. Um, I was really excited. The Anyone who's watched us on the preseason stuff, Jalen Warren, um, he's he's a kid that was undrafted, and, you know, he came in and was he runs with a lot of pop. He's very small but very powerful, and I absolutely loved run, watching him run, and I was really, really hoping he'd make the team, and he he's officially our, our RB3, so – Super pumped for him, and I think, honestly, he could uproot uh, Benny Snell at the two spot, and then Benny will be kind of a third down scat back type guy. But um, he's going to do a very good job spelling Harris, which is which is huge because uh, Harris was kind of <laughs> had a lot on his shoulders last year, which he still will this year, but it'll be nice being able to have, have Warren come in. Uh, we cut a few of our offensive linemen, which – I guess if you want to say something was surprising, it would be that. But honestly, it's not like they were going to fix our problems. Most of them were, you know, kind of your your offensive line handyman that could play all four or yeah, all four positions or five if they could play center. But none of them were very great at any of them. Uh, kind of tool guys, but um, I think a lot of those will probably come back after we have our IR designations. Um, our, our young safety who got hurt, he'll go on IR to start the season and that'll open up some spots. And I think those guys will come back on. Um, moving into the season though, it's more of the same. Offensive line is still our biggest issue. I'm really hoping that some of the players that got cut from other teams, hopefully we can find a diamond in the rough that comes in and for some reason excels, you know, in our building. Um, yeah, I just hope somebody brings something in that's about all I have as far as actual play and roster, but I did have one little note I meant to talk about on the last pod. 
Um, obviously, my connection was giving me fits that day, but um, it's a really cool story. While they were still in training camp, uh, Tomlin was on his way uh, actually to the field and came across a group of kids fighting in the street, literally a group of them just fist fighting. And so he stopped and stopped the fight and talked to him a little bit. And he ended up bringing that entire group of kids um, to hang out with the team for the day. So that was kind of pretty cool, special thing. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mike Tomlin anyways, but um, I thought it was a cool way of handling that situation as opposed to, you know, how the other ways that you could handle it. I'm sure he made those kids day. Uh, I don't know, just some, some different, some special. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all I got for the Steelers. Okay. Yeah. So Raiders, they're initial 53. <laughs> Speaking of players, couple, he's coming to the Steelers. A couple surprises that, that I saw. Um, obviously, we, we've been talking about Alex Leatherwood for, for quite a while. Um, he's had terrible offseason uh, training camp. All the preseason games he's played in, he struggled even against second and third stringers. Um, today, Raiders made the surprise decision to outright release him. So he is subject to um, waivers. So he may be claimed. I think the more likely scenario is um, he clears waivers and then signs with the team. Yeah. Um, I, I'm at, horribly shocked by this. Like I've, I've talked about how bad he has been, but the, the salary cap hit alone He's carrying almost yeah. $8 million this season and then another 3 plus next season just by cutting him today. So it surprises me that they weren't at least willing to kick him into guard and, and give him some reps there and yeah. see how he does, especially with some of the injuries we have on the offensive line right now. Um, but outright releasing him tears into that salary cap we had open for possibly adding someone, the Darren Waller extension. So that part scares me. Um, it seems like it seems like giving up way too early on a, on a first round draft pick from last season, and and I don't Agreed. like that. And that's that's usually the case. I don't. It's the first thing I thought of as well. That I can't believe they weren't bumping him somewhere else. Yeah, because um, he played competently at at guard last season. Right. I mean, he wasn't and maybe the best, he becomes but, a good guard. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a good know. player for someone. I mean. The, the Raiders drafted him well above where everyone else had him being drafted, but that doesn't, that doesn't stop the fact being that everyone had a round two grade on him. He's a round two grade for a reason. He has the tools. I think the, the yeah. biggest thing for him was confidence, like, and playing on the wrong side of the line, essentially. He was left tackle, left guard for, for Alabama, switching to the right side. We've talked about it before. That doesn't work for everyone, so... Um, that was my main big surprise. There was also they made a move to trade Trayvon Mullen, which was our one of our starting cornerbacks oh, yeah. from last year. They I meant to ask to, you about that. Yeah, to Arizona uh, for a conditional seventh round pick. If he plays, then it'll be a sixth. But getting that for our second round pick back in I believe it was 2018, not a great value. So I just wanted to to go over. <laughs> some of the Raiders draft picks and I'll just go first round in the last, uh, since 2019. And that was when, uh, Mayock and Gruden were, were calling the, the picks there. So 
Jonathan Abram, fifth-year option was declined. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year option was declined. Cleveland Farrell, fifth-year option was declined. That was all in 2019. 2020, we had two first-round picks. Damon Arnett was one, and Henry Ruggs was the other. Both of those guys have had, you know, legal issues. Obviously, the tragedy with Henry Ruggs. So those weren't necessarily because they couldn't play. I mean, Damon Arnett struggled, but he also was flashing guns, calling people out, saying he was going to kill him on yeah. social media. So that's why he got cut. And then now 2021 first round pick Alex Leatherwood cut after one season. So um, I, this isn't the worst first round pick ever. I mean, even back in 2020, um, the Titans selected uh, Isaiah Wilson, I believe his name was. He played three oh, yeah, snaps. They cut him too, didn't they? Yeah, he played three snaps yeah. for them on offense and one on special teams and, and was cut after one season. So there's been quite a few out there that just didn't work out for whether it's their work ethic or whatever. Alex Leatherwood, by all accounts, wasn't work ethic. He was always willing to put in the work. He was doing what he needed to do. It just didn't work in Oakland or, I guess, Vegas. So I'm hopeful he catches on somewhere and turns around his career because I think the tools are there. I think the want to is there. It's just wasn't a good match for him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see you guys <laughs> pick him not? up. I mean, you guys need help on that offensive line and you, you can put him where he needs to be, not where you're trying to force him to fit. So for sure. Uh, talked about Trayvon Mullen and then just a couple of surprises I had. Um, Britton Brown made the initial 53 at running back. Um, I think they were scared that if they cut him and tried to get him on the practice squad, he was going to get claimed. Uh, he had such a good preseason that I think that was probably likely. So they're carrying six running backs for right now, including the fullback, uh, Jacob Johnson. Um, they're only carrying five receivers, but the one that they cut was Keelan Cole. That kind of surprised me. And they did keep, DJ Turner, which I'm super pumped about. That keeps Hunter Renfro from taking punts. So as long as DJ Turner's yep. health, healthy, he's going to contribute on offense and he's going to contribute on special teams. So that's that's good. Uh, they cut. Who did they cut? Uh, Bauer. Drake. You, well, yeah, they cut Ken Drake, and he signed with uh, Baltimore today. Well, he's, oh, he did sign? I saw he was trying out. Yeah, no, he, he signed. Um, so reinforcements for them, but tight ends, they, they cut one of, now I can't remember his name. He was one of our tight ends last year and they went with Jesper Horstead instead, uh, Foster Marone, Dar Darren Wallen, Waller are all tight ends there. They only went with eight linemen. So I think it's going to be likely that Mumford, uh, probably goes to the IR, the revocable IR and they bring back someone, but, um, uh, they did put Brandon Parker on season-ending IR finally. Uh, to Sean Bauer, he was an absolute stud all preseason on the defensive line, Close. so I'm happy to see he he made the team. And then they kept both Darian Butler and Luke Masterson at, at linebacker that both played out of their minds. So, And then one, one surprising roster make was uh, Isaiah Polo Mao. I didn't really see him play much. So him being one of five safeties that they kept when it was thought they would only keep four, that was a surprise. And then cornerbacks, 
no real surprises there other than they kept Amik Robertson. Uh, I think everyone thought he was going to be cut, but that was prior to the uh, Trayvon Mullen move. So we'll see. I think that he's still going to be one of those cut when they make some claims on other players, but we shall see. So no other real surprises there. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the season to start, honestly. I, I think the Raiders are going to have a great season. The unknowns for me are obviously taking that hit with, with Alex Leatherwood and then trading Trayvon Mullen. It tells me they're pretty pretty set on uh, Rockus in, Anthony Averett, and Nate Hobbs. It seems like that's the three in the mix, and then they kept Sam yeah. Webb on there. So we'll see. I'm fired up. I am too, and this time of year is always fun too because, I mean, the sad side that you know a lot of the a lot of these players' dreams are coming to an end. Yep. Um, the other side of it though is too, there is a lot of talent that also got cut because all it takes is a team to be really rich at one position. Um, I mean, not, not this may not be the best example, but like one one cut that surprised me was the Chiefs letting Josh Gordon go. I realize that he's never really taken off, but their wide receiver room has, um, I'm not saying gotten vastly better, but it's gotten bigger. Um, rather than Tyreek being the, the the focus of that group, now they have a lot of very serviceable wide receivers. Um, and then with Sky Moore coming in, obviously, I think that bumped him out the door. Um, but there's going to be a lot of talent out there. There's some really good running backs that are um, – you know, some, some running back twos and threes that are going to be available wide receivers. There's always somebody that gets picked up this time of year and ends up making a splash. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, for us, I'm really hoping we do the same thing with linemen. Um, I would gladly let Alex Leatherwood come over and whether he can rotate a left tackle, left guard, I'll put him anywhere that we need a spot. Cause our line has been suspect at best. So, um, yeah. I guess that's all I just want to say is it's a fun time of, time of year because while some, yes, their career, so to speak, is over, but there's a lot of these guys that are still going to get picked up, make practice squads. Um, you know, it, do, it doesn't mean it's it's completely over, I guess. There's there's still some, some of these guys that are going to get picked up. Well, and I think we should probably mention a couple of the, the surprise cuts from around the league too, and that's – I'll just go through a couple of them real quick, and that's um, – Dolphins re- released Sony Michelle, former yes, first round pick by the surprised. Patriots. Um, the, I mean, he was he was a huge part of that Rams Super Bowl run last year. Yep. Um, that that running back room was beat up, and so all those guys really contributed. Um, I was really surprised. I kind of I do think someone will pick him up. Yep. And then um, the Jags traded Chanel, the wide receiver their second round pick to the Panthers. So some help going that way. And then uh, Tony Jefferson got cut by the Ravens. That was surprising. Wouldn't, wouldn't hate to see him in silver and black. (laughs) Um, It'd probably be a good pickup for you guys. OJ Howard. Uh, I mean, who's the safety in new Orleans? I saw he got traded. Yeah. I'll Um, I'll get to that in just a second. I I had it pulled up, but I didn't realize you had a list. Yeah, I've got a, a little list going here. And then, yeah, the Bills released O.J. Howard. He was the Bucks tight end for, for quite a while. Uh, you already mentioned Josh Gordon. Uh, Philip Lindsay got released. 
Duke Johnson got released. Yeah. Um, Kellen Mond got released from the Vikings after they traded for Nick Mullins. So sounds like Raiders are getting that seventh round pick after all. <laughs> uh, Josh Rosen got cut. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, you were talking about Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He got traded to the Eagles from. from I was really State. surprised. Yeah, that kid's I a stud. He but played it, well for him. And and that's that was it. I mean, they weren't going to be able to re-sign him at a, a number that made sense yeah. for them. They have quite a bit of, of talent in that in that uh, backfield, so they they figured they'd take the opportunity to get rid of him at at his high high point, and you know get some picks back in, in return. So, and then one, one sad note I have is Oakland legend, Josh Johnson got released by the Broncos, even though he had a great preseason for them. So <laughs> dudes played for, uh, I think half the NFL at this point, but he's a stud. Yeah. There's some of those guys that, I mean, and good for them. It's some people laugh at it, but really, I mean, I always use Fitzpatrick as the um, the shining example, but Ryan Fitzpatrick played for half the league and made so much money. That yep. dude, I don't think anybody's played for what he for what he had to play the money that he made. I don't yeah. think anybody's done better than him. No, he's um, so I, I like when guys are able to string their career along, and um, you know, sometimes you're not a fit somewhere and you move on and. Well, and he, I, I get a career is a career. He leveraged the what was it? The AAF, that league that shut down after like six weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he leveraged a job with that and turned it into an NFL job as a backup. So, and he even <laughs> started a couple games for was it Washington last year? Or I think it two was years them. ago. Yeah, yeah. So, shout out to Josh. Hopefully, he catches on somewhere again. But oh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's plenty more. <laughs> there's JJ Arcega Whiteside, Fulgham got released. There, there was all kinds of releases today. But like you said, a lot of these guys are going to be making practice squads. A lot of them are going to be returning to the team that released them. Any guys that have more than four years uh, of service time, they aren't subject to waivers. So as soon as, as soon as they put someone on our IR, they'll bring them right back. Uh, a lot of the teams did that with like kickers and whatnot, knowing that they won't be have waiver claims put on them or punters, you know. And then once they designate someone from IR, then they'll uh, bring them back and boom, you got a kicker again. So, yep. all right, that's all I had NFL wise. Anything else you have? Um, I just have one little nugget. I alluded to it earlier. Hockey season's coming back here, uh, I guess, preseason end of September. Um, so I'm super excited, obviously. I love this time of year, but uh, some Penguins news. It's really not that surprising. Mike Sullivan, our head coach, who is abs- an absolute stud. Um, obviously, he's brought us some cups, and I love the man. Uh, but we extended him for three years, so now he's with us through the 26, uh, 27 season. So, um I mean, we resist change there in Pittsburgh. We've had, we've had the same boys leading us, and same with the coach. So, uh, I'm happy to keep him around, and I'm super pumped that they they extended him. That's pretty unusual in hockey. It seems like most hockey coaches are there for a cup of coffee or two, and then yeah, that happens a lot. Unless, you, unless you're 
unless you're consistent, which our, our team has been for a long time. Um, that is the case. I mean, it's, you know, two, three, maybe four seasons. And then they bring somebody else in and try to reboot it. And yep. it, it's pretty special. We're very spoiled um, in Pittsburgh with the Penguins. So uh, Mike Sullivan also, uh, he's, I mean, he's the only American born coach to ever win multiple Stanley cups. Um, he's now the winningest coach in our history. So, I mean, the man's doing a lot right. So I just, I'm super pumped for him and I'm super pumped for all of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I got. one, one last note I had, and I should have mentioned this with major league baseball, um, but the minor leagues are looking to be oh, consolidated yeah. under the MLBPA. So they would be represented by, by their union. Um, which obviously the minor league players have been in some pretty rough conditions over the last, I don't know, hundred years. Second <laughs> so, class citizens, man. <laughs> yeah. So getting some representation that's looking out for their interest probably angers the owners, but I think at the end of the day, it's good for the players and, and hopefully some of they, they obviously had the settlement for, for the, unfair labor practices or whatever, but hopefully this continues that momentum and these guys get some better working conditions where they're actually getting paid during the off season where they're, you know, forced to train and all that stuff, but can't get other jobs yeah. because, you know, they, they have to be ready to play baseball. So just, just end on that positive note there. And then as we said, keep an eye out, we got the uh, live draft coming up on labor day. Excited. And then three o'clock. I think probably Wednesday night we'll have to record again to get our season predictions in before the the start of the NFL season. So got, we should have a couple coming your way. Keep an eye out for those. And as always, subscribe, share, like, all that stuff. Get some comments in, feedback. Uh, if you want to be involved in in one of our episodes, if you want to come on and talk to us, we'd, we'd love to have you guys on. It's always great to catch up with friends and, and talk about the teams that you love. Still got some openings for uh, NFL divisions, so keep that in mind, too, if any of you are interested. So thank you for tuning in, and as always, we appreciate the support.